0: Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 362 Addiction and Substance Abuse with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Welcome to Unit 6 in Psychology 362 Addiction and Substance Abuse. In this unit, we're going to look at psychotherapeutic medications and over-the-counter drugs. Chapter 13 of your textbook goes into much more detail the psychotherapeutic medications, but we'll give an overview for this uh, lecture. Psychotherapeutic medications are the term used when we're trying to provide some relief to people with mental illness and to be able to function better in their environment. The um, early uses of, uh, of these types of drugs we dealt with mental illnesses where uh, early on people dealt with this with really cruel ways of uh, bloodletting, hot irons, flogging, starvation, and so. Um, and back in the mid 1800s, cannabis was uh, marijuana was looked at as a way of treatment for depression and mania. In the first half of the 1900s, amphetamines were starting to be used for depression, and even carbon dioxide was was used to try to treat psychosis. In the um, 1950s, the greatest advance in psychopharmacology was the use of corpromazine, and that is an antipsychotic medication. So, for uh, People who are dealing with psychosis, schizophrenia, and such like that. So, uh, and again, initially it was used as an anesthetic in surgery. Um, so, after that drug was developed, new drugs were followed, such as anti-anxiety medications and uh, or antidepressant medications. So, about one-quarter of the United States population has a mental disorder within a given year, meaning that uh, they may not have it from year to year, but they do have uh, something that has been treated as a mental disorder. And the most common ones are anxiety, depression, and alcohol abuse. And psychotherapeutic drugs are more likely to be used among women, Older people, people living alone, people with and also people though with higher education and incomes. Uh, a lot of stress, I guess, related to all these different areas. So these drugs are in different classes, and uh, they can be used as antipsychotics, antidepressants, anti-anxiety agents, or mood stabilizing drugs. Antipsychotics um, are used to treat schizophrenia, um, mania, um, bipolar disorder. The mania part is excitability and and um, and kind of uncontrollable emotions, agitated depression, toxic psychosis, emotionally unstable personalities, and psychosis that are associated with older age. Um, This affects the particular activating system in our brain, the limbic system, which controls our emotion and the hypothalamus. Antidepressants are used to treat depression. And this is one of the most common psychiatric disorders in the United States. Uh, It can be, uh, we call endogenous, which is chronic or genetic, where someone maybe has a uh, a long-standing bout of depression Due to uh, a variety of features, but maybe just genetically predisposed to, uh, to depression, or exogenous, um, which is situational, meaning that they've experienced a trauma in their life, and uh, it's to allow them to kind of get through that time until they're able to be restored. Um, and so the the two major drug classes in depressants or antidepressants, excuse me cyclic antidepressants and monoamine oxidase inhibitors are what is commonly referred to as MAOI. Barbiturates were used as depressants as sleeping pills initially and for treatment of anxiety. So um, use of barbiturates was limited following that they did have adverse effects such as rapid development of tolerance that you, you need more and more to get the same effect. Uh, severe withdrawal symptoms. Someone is uh, trying to get off barbiturates in some form, and um, that's a, those are very hard drugs to just stop uh, cold turkey just immediately. You would need to taper off those barbiturates. Um, there's a high risk of overdose and high abuse potential. Those types of drugs. Anti-anxiety agents are under the category of benzodiazepines. And this really revolutionized the understanding of depressant drugs or antidepressant drugs. This uh, relieves anxieties um, with fewer side effects than the previous antidepressants. Um, and these work on the GABA receptor sites. Again, just uh, re-emphasizing that the drugs that we' we're, we're studying affect neurotransmitters either blocking something a uh, neurotransmitter or providing more of it or mimicking it benzodiazepine um, are more selective in their effects than other depressants and um, and they can, um, they can relieve anxiety without producing the sedation effect that uh, earlier antidepressants have or affecting motor impairment. Um, but they also may develop tolerance and dependence, and you can have withdrawal symptoms if you try to get off of those. Mood stabilizing drugs um, is what, probably the most well known is lithium, and that's used to treat mood disorders such as a uh, mania or manic-depressive bipolar disorders. And, um, and so once someone is being treated with lithium, they uh, may stay on lithium to prevent that uh, mania to returning. So it's used as a prophylaxis. It, what it does, again, affects the neurotransmitters. It enhances the reuptake of serotonin and norepinephrine and it decreases dopamine uh, receptors so again the general idea is these drugs uh, work on the neurotransmitter receptor sites and uh, either increasing or decreasing um, the neurotransmitters. Now we're going to look at what we refer to as over-the-counter drugs and often this is referred to as OTC. So um, or other, and some of these are also other types of prescriptions that really don't fall in these areas that we've looked in earlier. Um, the birth control pill, which became available in the 1960s, and um, it's a um, you know it's most widely used of contraception in the United States. And it's it is effective when used properly, but it does it does increase the risk for blood clots, uh, which can also affect uh, increased risk of heart attack or stroke. Anabolic steroids—we hear a, a lot about this regard to athletics—and so this are, these are synthetic versions of uh, testosterone. And what it does is it promotes the development of this muscle mass. And you've seen uh, athletes who all of a sudden become much bigger and stronger for the use of anabolic steroids. And the reason I take them, of course, is to enhance uh, athletic performance. But the side effects are that actually, um, if women take this, it has a masculinizing effect on women, uh, They have more masculine features. And it can also affect, uh, cause liver damage, acne, hair loss, emotional disturbance. You've maybe heard the term uh, void rage. Uh, some, you know, they've been on it on anabolic steroids for some time, uh maybe get much more agitated. Over-the-counter drugs are what those things that you can buy at Kroger or CVS or wherever you you know get a lot of your medicines. And so these have been considered safe enough to dispense without a prescription. Now a lot of times the over-counter drugs that we have now previously were prescription drugs and They've been around long enough, and they've seen that there's really not, um, you know, a harmful effect, and the, there's uh, um, if they're taken responsibly. So they've been selling over the counter without a prescription. Um, the Fall for harris Amendment regul gave the Food and Drug Administration the responsibility to review and regulate over the counter drugs. So. Um, So basically what they're doing, is it generally safe? Is it generally effective? Is it doing what it says it's going to do in a safe manner? Different types of over-the-counter drugs are analgesics. And what that is, is pain relief without unconsciousness. That's your aspirin, you know, which reduces fever. It's an anti-inflammatory, it helps with pain, of course. But um, it can also irritate your stomach and can, um, which can also lead to bleeding. Acetaminophen, which we kind of refer to, you probably know more as, as Tylenol, it reduces fever. It doesn't cause any uh, irritation, but it doesn't really affect any, have any anti-inflammatory properties. Meaning that if you've injured yourself and you've, uh, You know, your muscles are sore and um, that Tylenol is not really going to help you that much with that. Ibuprofen is similar to aspirin, but it doesn't have any uh, irritation for the stomach. But if you take it too much, it can cause liver and kidney damage. Our cold and allergy medications, we get over the counter. Um, usually contain aspirin or acetaminophen or pseudoephedrine. And pseudoephedrine has been regulated in the last uh, decade or so because there was a time when people were buying large amounts of this to produce uh, meth, methamphetamines. And so um, there was a time when you had to actually go and present your... Driver's license to get that, but they've changed sort of the the chemical structure of these, and so um, they're not as um, they're not used for making meth any longer. Dextromethorphan is um, is used in some cough medicines, and but if you take too much of it, it can cause psychosis, and unfortunately, has become a drug of abuse. Um, so it's um, you know cough syrup or, or things where people will take that and um, try to get the uh, the psychosis experience from that so caffeine is found in a lot of over-the-counter stimulants and if you take an antihistamine it's um, um, those are used as, and they're the main ingredient in uh, sleep non-prescription sleeping pills, so the over-the-counter sleeping pills. So the side effects with, um, uh, with antihistamines are can be dizziness, nausea. Right? So if you've ever taken like Benadryl or something, there's one that says sleepy and one non-sleepy, and so if you have those, um, you know those really contribute to the, to those over-the-counter sleeping. Now there's lots of herbal products, hormones, dietary supplements, and your book goes in much more detail than I am for this lesson, um, but um, these are things that include herbs and, or amino acid preparations, hormones, uh, dietary supplements, um, such as they're often re- exempt from regulations that involve testing and safety and efficacy. So, uh, a lot of times they're promoted or marketed as a way of producing these great effects and, um, you know, different types of, of herbs and others. And so, you're, I encourage you to read your book to know more about that, especially if you've taken one of these and, and find out more about that. Inhalants. And inhalants are really anything that can alter consciousness. and um, This is where you can, a lot of things like paint and glue and and things will uh, have this. And so it's a cheap form of drug abuse. And I've seen, uh, I've been to parts of the world where I've seen street kids will have inhalants in baggies and they'll uh, smoke or not smoke and inhale it. And they'll get this sense of uh, uh, euphoria because it's so cheaply, obtained. You could go to any store and find something with an inhalant in it. So um, these are uh, other types of drugs that um, are readily available at your store that have been abused in different forms. Well, that ends this lesson and we'll meet you for our final unit in Unit 7.